0: Welcome to Bill's Big Bag of Onions, the scintillating blend of microfictions, contributed by local writers, and effulgent music you probably haven't heard. Grandad and Geraniums by Claire Kemsley
1: Grandad grew geraniums, pots nestled on terraces, on steps to the lawn, along the path to the weeping willow. His greenhouses sprouted sweet-smelling tomatoes, prickly cucumbers and our favourite, the touch-me-not plants. We galloped between wooden shelves, running hands over prickly fronds that curled up in shock, shrank to safety. Grandad worked at a school for naughty boys from London, taught them how to grow, nurture, respect the plants. On leaving, the well-behaved boys worked for the corporation, creating glorious bursts of colour, transforming the greyness of the city. They wrote him letters with their thanks. He kept them all.
0: Lies in the Soil by Daryl Lotterby
2: Harvey loved compost. He was the king of compost. Different bins were arranged for their varied components, qualities and ages. Heaps based on horse and cow manures added strength to his trailing courgette plants. Mounds of kitchen scraps packed the trenches he dug when planting potatoes. Nitrogen-heavy chicken manure made his bountiful soft fruits sweet and juicy, and barrels of fermented weeds stood beside the tomato glass house. It was time for Harvey to nourish the big apple tree. He removed all his clothes and climbed into the hole he had dug. He smiled and finally composted himself.
1: To dig up an unprepossessing plant and come away with small root tubers, which, if immediately boiled with a bit of salt and eaten with butter, are in my view still the best potato related experience. The first time our niece, Hattie, experienced this small wonder, she was five years old and had learned that potatoes were not born of plastic bags in supermarkets, but came from under the ground, in people's gardens. Therefore, logically, they must be in all gardens. She was thoughtful for a moment before, I think at home, Mummy and daddy's potatoes are under the lawn.
3: So
0: Graft by Ian Hornet.
2: Colchester council worker Mo Daly had been allocating allotments for years, but space had run out. Developers had bought them all up along with every field, garden, park, and woodland, all except one. The last allotment in Shrub End would mark the end of all shrubs, vegetables, herbs, trees, and flowers cultivated outdoors. It was overgrown, both in terms of weeds and value, such that investors would fork out millions to land it. Green fingered turned sticky fingered Moe had done the spade work. A plot to take a cut from the plot would reap huge rewards. To Moe, this allotment meant a lot.
4: The child of
5: God, he was walking along the road And I asked him, tell me, where are you going? you told me
6: We are still... we are still... we, are still... we are still...
0: fingers by jenny miller
1: oh no here it comes again splosh more days drenched and shivering as the water seeps into every cell and my bed goes sludgy over and over again i beg them not to but they don't listen If it was raining, I'd be fine, mentally and physically prepared, and I'd enjoy it. They should try sitting in cold mud for a day and see how they like it. I always do my best for them, cleaning the air and looking as nice as I can, but it's not easy when my roots are rotting and my leaves are shriveling up.
7: In all the goodness and the beauty that surrounds We water it with kindness feed it with our joy Never has there been such love between a girl and boy Your smile is like a flower that's grown towards the light It fills my life with sunshine, love's pollen is in flight but sadly, I'm allergic and I start to cough and to sneeze. Fortunately, I'm dosed up on antihistamines. Ha ha! our love is like the flowers and the trees. And our love makes me think of birds and bees. Our love is one that lingers. But I'm not sure I got three fingers. Is like a greenhouse. It's steamy and it's hot. Some lovely things are growing there, though one or two are not. Now people in these houses, they shouldn't throw a stone. But with your tough and safety
4: could
7: it smells just like the your me. Our love is like the flowers and the trees, and our love makes me think of birds and bees. Our love.
0: The Turner Road Scallywags by Adrian Cohen
8: Listen to what the flower people say Ah, listen, it's getting louder every day Like a bolt out of the blue. Ah, it could be calling now
7: for you.
2: Pinewood Estate, built in the 1960s, had 600 identical semi-detached pebble-dashed houses with a long rectangular garden behind each one. Running along the backs of these dwellings were leafy footpaths from which passers-by could see into the gardens. The Flower People Gang, as they called themselves, all in their early teens, every summer night in 1974, would jump the fences of targeted homes, steal flowers from the gardens and sell them to people on the street outside Colchester Hospital. Fast forward to 2014, three of the notorious Flower People Gang were jailed for 20 years for aggravated armed robbery.
8: Like a Mozart symphony.
7: Listen, it's something just for you and me. Listen,
8: to what the flower people say.
3: Ah, listen, it's getting
8: truer every day.
0: Gardener by Daphne Woodgirl.
1: Hmm, interesting. Tall, strong build, loves the outdoors. We plan to meet at Central Station. He towered above the throng from the twelve forty train. Oh dear, a man bag, its strap laying diagonally across a Ferrar waistcoat, buttoned over a paunch. Not quite the landscape gardener in tight jeans driving an animal truck. We lunch. I independently insist upon going Dutch. He's chatty, speaks of a regular customer, a lady whom he often weeds for, whilst sitting. So, shall we meet again? Tilting my head, I apologise, later offering his train fare home. He accepts...
2: Spring Onion
0: by Jim Crim.
2: Spring, barefooted goddess. You stuff space with profuse bright growth and colour overgrown, and alien to screen lead irises. Beds of protruding narcissi sing in unison that the earth is rising beneath growing canopies. Spring, with a sloppy body and muddy legs, eyes sticky with dream and pollen, unseen by those fixed to their device. Spring, you shake your hips and swing your breasts with that shiny laugh. I'm so very fond of you that fronds project from my fingertips and entwine all I touch. And yet I forget how beautiful you are until you swing round that annual corner. It's your Bill's big bag of onions.
1: The intimate relationship between my camera and the secret garden blossomed as I lovingly explored its flesh and bones. Amongst the crumbling wood and tumbled walls of an abandoned cottage, pioneering grasses thrust their scrubby green blades skywards, and creepers slithered across steps, out of windows and over walls. I snapped angles softened by climbing roses, wild and untamed, captured colour, relished light and shade. A wooden bench, backrest slats askew pointed skyward, moss-green arthritic fingers. Monument to the girl, grown old, serene in the scented evening, who sat here dreaming, tendrils of escaped hair brushed back by gardener's hands.
8: seeds on the ground, watering them with my sweat and tears, scattering them all around. Guess it's what I'm supposed to do with my years. Funny thing is I may know what I've planted, but never what will show. It always seems to be a perfect mystery. Whatever grows will grow, whatever dies will die, whatever works will work, whatever flies will fly, whatever fails will fail, what's meant to soar will soar. I am planting seeds, nothing more. Sometimes I still like to pretend. I know what the harvest'll be But I always find out in the end It was never really up to me Funny thing is when I just Do my work and simply trust Always seems that life is looking out for me Whatever grows will grow Whatever dies will die Whatever works will work, whatever flies will fly, whatever fails will fail, what's meant to soar will soar, I am planting seeds, nothing more. I am only one of billions of seeds, when all is said and done, I just do what's mine to do and let it be.
0: I'm not a pheasant plucker, by Pat Bloss.
2: My wife's the gardener in our house, or garden to be precise, My horticultural expertise is of the uh, Slash and Burn variety, if something needs removing I'm your man. This has drawbacks of course, my ability to differentiate between ornamental blackberries and unwanted brambles has caused some frostiness more than once, however I'm a great harvester, Raspberries, strawberries and their like are no match for my nimble hands. Some even find their way to the kitchen. My wife might have the green fingers, but it's me who's caught red-handed with the fruits of her labour. I'm a naughty little plucker.
9: And heroes, listen, my friends. If you have money or nothing to spend, it'll make no difference in a hundred years or so. Sooner or later, we all make the little flowers grow, or later we all make the little flowers grow, wise men and fools to get you five. You'll never get out of this world alive Don't run and hide, it's no use, I know Sooner or later we all make the little flowers grow Or later we all make the little flowers grow And tall men and all the rest Please don't blame me I didn't start this mess Some of us stay and some of us go Sooner or later We all make the little flowers grow later we all make the
0: The Trophy by Ruth Hamilton.
1: Everyone in Dungog agreed that Marjorie had green fingers. Her vegetables always won prizes at the annual show. That is, until Edith Snipe moved into town. And that year, her six-foot-long cucumber claimed the champion's trophy. The green of envy left a bitter taste, but Marjorie had a secret weapon. Her grandmother's recipe. A blend of composted green ingredients, religiously stirred with her own hands, and smeared daily on her cucumber vine, should secure that coveted trophy. Sadly, Edith beat her again by two inches, but everyone agreed that Marjorie's fingers were undoubtedly the greenest they'd ever seen.
7: Plants. You want some plants. I want some plants. Let's get some plants! Let's get some plants.
5: plants! Plants, plants, plants,
7: plants, plants, plants! Plants? I want some plants. You want some plants? Let's get some plants. Um Do I need more plants? Do I need more plants? Of course I do. Do you think I'm crazy? Let's get some plants. I want to go to the garden centre and get more plants. I want to go to the garden centre and get some more plants. Even more plants. 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 I want more plants.
0: To Warren Road by John Dew.
2: In the clear bleakness of the cold light of dawn, the garden gradually emerges. Winter is the glory of this place, and that grave frost seems to forbid the trees in their nakedness to laugh at all below, stripped of their finery. Other branches bristle with crystal files like lovers' frozen tears which drop when the blue tits land and then flit between the hawthorn and juniper berries. This fruit is love's wine to the needy little birds I watch, seated in a centrally heated cube this side of the UPVC windows, flitting between fresh coffee and a bowl of muesli.
6: i on my nose, so I don't get fried. 24 in the cooler, 85 outside. I'm taking this thing one pass at a time. Got nothing to worry about. Being in a hurry about it might just take me all day. Got a cold one crack, rabbit all fast. Making my way on a two acre patch. Airplane mode. Seem to get the world off of my back. Nothing runs like a deer. So I'll be sitting here drinking beer and cutting grass. Mo,
8: mo, 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 the lawn. Mo, 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 the lawn. mo, 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 the lawn. Mow, mow, mow,
7: the lawn, mow, 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 the lawn, mow, 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 the lawn. Mow, 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 mow the lawn. Mowing the lawn, a whole lot of fun, cutting that grass, making it look so good, running that lawn mower over the grass, yeah! Mow, mow, mow the lawn, mow, mow, mow. mow. The line, the line, the line, the line, the line,
6: the line, the line, the line, no the line, no the line, no
0: Hand Legs by Sophie Drenogle.
1: Dad needed help with hoeing the weeds between his rows of spinach. I'd oblige on sunny days, clad in my skimpiest bikini. Leon, my dad, grew the finest veg in our village until he passed away, leaving his huge garden overgrown with nettles for many years. He now lives on in my heart. Every year we sweat and toil on my sloping vegetable plot, struggling with the early summer droughts and the late summer rainfall that attracts so many slugs every year i say i'm giving this up but the truth is he'd turn in his grave if i did
6: Young rounders, and a story I'll tell of the promise of heaven and the warning of hell. But take heed where you ramble, or too soon you will go way up on the hill. flowers grow early well, he met in the springtime The sun sang Two star crossed lovers in the still melting snow Where the loving was easy And the court was brief where well, they called her a beauty They called him a thief In the quiet of the evening They'd steal away Where the laughter would flow And the fiddle would play Where well, the folks called it wrong But hell, it seemed all wrong In the sun-painted picture And the day turned to night Back up the hillside Where the new flowers grow
0: Onion set By Bill Lawrence.
2: It was clear that he was dying. Heavy breathing became increasingly laboured, often unsteady. For a few hours that morning, he lay awake, staring intently ahead, gently mouthing hidden thoughts. At lunchtime, she brought a small bowl of sweetened rice pudding. "'It's been a beautiful morning,' she said. "'I might do some gardening later.' He spoke for the first time that week. Elsa Craig, my favourites, he smiled at her for the last time after all those years. It's time, plant them straight, keep them weeded, pick them in August and remember me. He certainly knew his onions.
1: Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Coln Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience
8: Where in hell can you go Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete that keeps crawling its way. Keep your heart off your sleeve.
0: Guppy Productions presents Series 2 of From Colchester to Sulawesi. Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 3 of 6 in which Ed has a haircut.
2: Despite being located in the same grounds and in close proximity to one another, our local dive center is a separate business entity from its mother hotel. And the unwritten agreement that we have with the manager of the dive center is a simple one and is effective in its simplicity. We have provided an alternative kind of accommodation for guests. We are less expensive than the hotel, and provide a more personal, intimate atmosphere which suits certain of our clientele, and this has provided us with our first guests before we have been able to become self-sufficient in this respect. The fact that Paula and I are English probably also has some bearing on the matter. We understand the workings of the minds of Europeans, Australians, and so forth, whereas the hotel is an entirely Indonesian-run affair which, although well enough run, lacks a Western presence. When Bahawo Lodge gets going in its own right, our guests will use the dive centre, and thus will the arrangement continue to be symbiotic. Tim and Julie have already done quite a bit of diving here, And now, once again, there are Alex and Edward, so the symbiosis has, in a small way, already begun. As that which one might call a fringe benefit, which is nevertheless significant to me, I get to strap on the dive gear and jump in the water whenever I wish. So, some of the best coral reefs in the world are available to me for the asking. In fact, I don't even have to ask. And with this aspect of the arrangement, I am more than happy. During their time here, Alex and Edward take to the water with me on several occasions and Paula and the rest of the family join us sometimes on the dive boats for snorkelling or just for the boat rides around the beautiful islands of Bunaken National Marine Park, which is in itself a rewarding enough experience.
1: We have by now become friends with all of the dive guides, and after a lovely day snorkelling and diving, we find a few of them on the hotel jetty cutting one another's hair with a bare razor blade. Ed decides that he would like a haircut, and despite his mother's reservations and reluctance on the Indonesians' part, having never cut a European's hair, Ed offers himself up to the experience. By general consensus, it turns out to be the best haircut he has ever had. The dive guides are exclusively young men and all are married, a fact which they keep a well-guarded secret when on occasion they have romantic dalliance with young women on holiday who may be seeking distraction other than diving in the warm tropical ambience. This can and does get the young men into all kinds of trouble with their wives and with the lady who manages the dive centre, but boys will be boys and girls will be girls and the boys seem not to learn from past experience or the experience of others. Thus do we quickly agree one golden rule with our staff at the lodge, which translates as no testing the guests who were there to be served and only in the more traditional and accepted use of the term. So we'll see how that one goes when we start having young female clientele. Meanwhile, and less contentiously, we need to buy some things for the lodge and whilst Phil has acquired certain life skills along the way, shopping certainly isn't one of them. So while I have Carol and Mummy here, I take full advantage. We take the jeep to Monado to buy mirrors, wall hangings and such. Non-essential things which add finishing touches to the guest rooms, lounge and so on. The garden is Phil's apartment, and he and Janet, who aside from her parliamentary duties is a keen gardener, spend time together around the lodge grounds, looking at the horticultural aesthetics of it all. We have a driveway and parking area, and paved pathways where pathways are needed, so the structure is there, but we need colour now and more fruit trees, and for this I defer to Phil, and tell him to get on with it. There are no garden centres here, but there are plant nurseries, especially in the cooler highlands, which sell beautiful tropical shrubs and herbaceous plants. So we take a couple of trips here, and come back laden with plants. One thing we have learned is that whereas in England, where trees and shrubs can take years to come to maturity, here, in the warm verdant tropics, everything grows at a quite alarming rate. And everything grows. Fence posts take root and turn unbidden into trees. And things that we have had planted on previous visits here have put on what is to us an extraordinary amount of growth. Colours work differently here too. Whereas in the duller English climate, Subtle, muted colour combinations are the order of the day. Here, in the bright equatorial sunshine, anything goes, really. And colours which would be seen to clash in our former home look fine together. In any case, thus does our time with the family pass, and in the meantime our French guests have departed, and the Dutch guest arrives, called Reinier, or Mr Reinier, as we refer to him with our staff. He's here for the diving, so here's a dive buddy for Phil. And a few days after his arrival, we say fond farewells to the family. This has for them, I think, been further affirmation that we have done something special in the building of Bahoro Lodge and creating our new business. The business has yet to prove itself, of course, but everyone has enjoyed themselves and the lodge has worked well in all respects with its first full occupancy. The boys have done some fantastic diving with Phil, and the next time they come, Hattie will be old enough to take her junior diving qualification and join them underwater, something which she is very eager to do. We've only seen Onnie on a couple of occasions. We've given him money and said that we will see him to discuss everything once the family is gone and we have more time. He's behaving oddly, but behaving oddly seems to be normal for Onnie these days. So it would be odd if he was behaving normally, really, and we'll have to see how that goes as well.
2: The last weekend of August is Happy Birthday, Bahawo, where the village has traditionally marked and celebrated its founding, when the fathers, to the oldest generation now living, first rowed their canoes through the mangrove forest and onto the beach. There are no organized events as such but rather every family prepares a buffet style meal and gives open invitation to every other family to share their repast. Indonesian food is usually eaten at room temperature so the timing isn't critical. Anyone can visit anyone else whenever they so wish and there will always be food. We are told by our staff that around lunchtime we should visit the house of Mr. Benjamin the headman so we do, and we take Renier with us and enjoy a goodly helping of the fine fare provided by Benjamin and his wife Lynnae. This is a mistake. Arras then escorts us to his own house, where we are expected, out of politeness, to eat something, and from thence we are taken to the house of Philips and Fenny, Melda's parents, where another fine spread is laid out before us, and where, so as not to offend, we do the best we can. By the time we have visited our fourth house, we are all feeling a bit queasy and quite unable to eat anything at all. Fortunately, in this respect, Renier is checking out today, and it is suddenly very important that Paula and I both accompany him to the airport, so unfortunately our social activities must be curtailed. Thus do we avoid the fifth house which would have been a house too far, and we have learned another golden rule of Indonesian village etiquette, that on such occasions you don't eat too much at the first house. In any case, Renier departs, and for the first time since our arrival two weeks ago, we are on our own at the lodge, and pass our first night alone here. This gives us the opportunity to assess how things have gone so far, and we quickly conclude that things haven't gone badly, really. We have entertained our first guests, Sulte's cooking has been exceptional, and this will, we think, be a significant selling point in the future, and we have enjoyed eating with our guests at the evening table. Renier has become a friend and has vowed to return as soon as may be. Everything has worked, Aris and Newman have done their jobs well, and all in all we reckon we can do this, and we go to sleep feeling quite pleased with ourselves and our efforts thus far. In the morning we awaken to a text message from Oni. He will know that we are alone now and has waited for this moment. It's a message which threatens to change everything and which has the potential to stop our new enterprise and our new lives in their newly made tracks. We knew that sooner or later we would have to do battle with Oni. And so it begins.
8: Motherland. my eyes, buy me to sleep Keep me safe, lie with me, stay beside me Don't go Don't you go Find
0: out what happens when we return to the adventures of Phil and Paula in Sulawesi in next week's episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions here on Cone Radio. A Guppy production for Cone Radio. (laughs)